All right, welcome in to the PowerMizzou.com live streaming extravaganza for 2021, fourth day in a row of what will be many days in a row this season. I am Gabe DeArmond. This is our Thursday show, Opposition Research, presented by Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones Investments. Edward Jones, a different kind of investment firm. To them, FaceTime and ThinkTime both make sense. They'll meet with you to learn your individual needs so they can develop a strategy to help you achieve your long-term financial goals. Whether you want to plan for retirement, save for college, reduce your tax bills, or ensure that you have income to cover all of your expenses, you can expect personalized service and long-term investing strategies instead of the latest investment fads. Nearly 7 million investors are with Edward Jones. That includes me, and I am with Stuart Eastman here in Columbia, Missouri. There you see his information on the right-hand side of the screen. You can get in touch with him, 573-817-3108 or you can stop by his office on Rainbow Trout Drive in Columbia. Uh, Stuart has handled our stuff for uh, quite a long time now. And uh, look, I, I mean, I work for Rivals. I'm in journalism. I'm obviously incredibly wealthy, and my uh, my investments are tough to handle. As my friend Chris Lee knows, who joins us now on the other side of your screen, uh, Chris, like when you do what, what we do, I mean, you've got to have like multiple investment, guys. It, it's just way too hard to keep track of. Well, apparently it's paid for that nifty intro music that we got there. So yes, yes, there's you know, that. It, it did pay the uh, pay this fee for the year, and you will not violate any copyright laws on YouTube. At least I haven't yet. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, so this show every every Thursday this year. Normally, look, once we get into the season, we're going to have a specific opponent to talk about. We're going to talk to somebody who is who covers that team. We will catch up with Chris on this show later on down the road. But obviously, we've got a couple weeks till the season starts which works out perfectly because there are a couple divisions in the SEC, right? So this week, uh, Missouri, as geographically makes sense, plays in the SEC East, so that's what we're starting with. Uh, at some point, Chris, I guess we'll have to expand this into like four different quadrants of shows, you know? We'll, we'll be doing the SEC North at some point or something like that, but not quite yet. When was the last time geography mattered in college <laughs> sports? Uh... I mean, I Back felt when you and I were in school, maybe I, I felt like it mattered a little bit. It's still in the major conferences until Missouri and A&M and everybody left for for the SEC because I, I, the the minor conferences started to go crazy a little bit before then. But like still all the big 12 teams were kind of around each other and, and the big 10 teams were until, you know, Maryland and Rutgers decided to be a part of that. Nothing like having Creighton in the Big East either. <laughs> For sure. Creighton, hopefully at some point Creighton will also join like the Pac-12 and then they can have been in both conferences right. on, on either side of the country. But uh, we, we are going to talk SEC East football. Uh, everybody gets going here in a couple weeks. And before we get to that, like the reason I had Chris on here is, Chris, I want to give you a chance to kind of tell everybody else, look, you do publish VandySports.com. You, you cover Vanderbilt for the Rivals Network. But you've also here in the last year to started kind of branching out into some other stuff some conference wide stuff so uh that's why i kind of wanted to have you on because you have a better chance to know more about the other teams in, in the the division than maybe some of the rest of us who have such tunnel vision so just kind of tell everybody what what you're doing and, and where they can find your stuff outside of rivals not that we ever encourage anyone to click on any website but rivals.com obviously yeah, I started the website southeastern14.com in February. Great choice of branding there, by the way, to build your brand around the number 14. <laughs> That's awesome. We, uh, we did buy 16. 
as a precaution just in case. But uh, yes, under the belief that it's obviously easy to get news about your school uh, from rival sites, which we have a lot of great ones in the league. But in terms of just being able to run down what's happening with the rest of the league, and especially in baseball and, and basketball, you mm-hmm. get pretty good football coverage. And, of course, we're doing that. But we're looking at a way to cover the SEC a little differently. We keep politics and things that people fight out of it and just try to have some fun and cover the league in the manner it deserves. So southeastern14.com, we've got a podcast that goes with that. We've started a YouTube channel, doing some really cool things behind the scenes to get ready for football. So I think folks will like what we do if they follow our properties there good deal so yeah again southeastern14.com check it out at least until 2022 or 25 or whenever texas and oklahoma join and you know clemson joins and florida state and michigan and everybody else join but uh but so that's why we've got chris on he's he's got a little bit of uh knowledge and knows some people that that know about all the teams so chris before we get into and and look we're going to be honest here I can't break down like the starting defensive line at Kentucky or the the South Carolina linebackers. I don't know that. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to talk in kind of broad strokes about the division and all that. But just I, I don't know if you went to media days and voted in the poll. I did not. But if you're voting in a poll, SEC East, give me give me kind of your order of finish. We'll start there and we'll just kind of run down uh, some of the issues facing everybody. Well, I see it in tears. I think Georgia is at the top, although Georgia has just gotten decimated with injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still, it's replacing maybe five stars with four stars. And I think Georgia is going to be okay. So I, I think Georgia is the overwhelming favorite in the East. And I think most people would agree. And then you get Florida. I think Florida is the next tier of teams. Uh, Florida has lost its starting quarterback and a tremendous tight end and receiver. I don't know that they can plug and play with other guys, but Dan Mullen knows offense, and so I think Florida, with its talent and with its speed, they've got to be two unless you've got a good reason otherwise. And I look down the rest of the division, Gabe, and honestly, I don't see a good reason to not put Florida two. I think I've got Missouri and Kentucky in sort of the next tier, maybe flip a coin uh, with those. I think Kentucky's kind of dominated the recent series for whatever reason, so maybe you give them the edge based on that. And then I see Missouri – excuse me, not Missouri. I see Kentucky – or. Wow, Tennessee. I really got this wrong. Yeah. Uh, see, who's left, right? Tennessee, uh, Tennessee South, Carolina, South Carolina, Bandy. Bandy. Yeah. Those guys, right? Uh, and, and frankly, those are teams that are rebuilding. Um, Vanderbilt's really rebuilding. So I, mm-hmm. I see it really as four tiers. You go Georgia, then Florida, then Kentucky, Missouri. Then I see South Carolina, Tennessee, and then at the bottom, Vandy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I saw at Media Day somebody did vote, I think, for South Carolina to win the East. So that person should never be allowed to cover another Southeastern Conference event. Um, we just take their credentials away for everything. Uh, but I, are, are you I, meaning to say that everyone down there is not media? Uh, it's a possibility. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um <laughs> So, I mean, I look at Georgia, and the only difference really between Georgia and Alabama is that Alabama hasn't kind of puked on itself in that in that one game at the end of the year, right? I mean, people people don't, I think, understand Georgia has recruited at an Alabama level for about five or six years now. Like, their average recruiting ranking in the last six years is something like 2.1. You know, as far as the class ranks. So I don't see how you could look at this division and say anything, but not only are they the favorite, but I mean, the gap between one and two is probably bigger than the gap between two and four. 
I think that's fair. Now, I would say there's maybe one more difference between Alabama and Georgia. Well, the two, obviously, you've got the best head coach in the history of college football. I, I, I think that's so. related to the not puking in the biggest game of the year because he didn't right, like, say, perhaps. fake punt in the middle of one of those games. <laughs> there is that. But yeah. the other thing is, you know, Alabama had been the school that you identify with defense right. for the longest time. And Nick Saban, a couple of years ago, just said, screw it. We're going to play offense with the best of them. We'll go tempo. We'll spread the field with these elite athletes. And, and lo and behold, he can recruit those guys, too. I think that's the one thing with Georgia. Georgia's got a lot of talent now with the Pickens kid getting hurt. Uh, you know, the situation with Eric Gilbert, again, maybe some questions in terms of their wide receiving core with some other injuries there, too. But I think that's the other thing is Alabama has really full-on embraced the pass. I think there's a question whether Kirby Smart will do that or not. I think that's probably a fair question. But, yes, in terms of the talent and the athletes they put on the field, uh, Georgia is pretty special. Yeah, and I, it's that quarterback position, right? I mean, how different – do we view Georgia and Kirby Smart? How many rings is he wearing? If he just plays Justin Fields, like I mean, at the time, oh. I think everybody knew that was the move. Uh, but now, two, three years later, he's the number one pick, probably going to be the starting quarterback in Chicago, and did what he did at Ohio State. I mean, Jake Fromm was a nice college quarterback, but if you're playing Justin Fields for two or three years, that whole thing looks different. I think. Yeah, all of a sudden those Alabama-Georgia matchups get really interesting uh, for sure. But, yeah, I, I think that's the, the one that got away down there. And and do that – I don't know. Do they have the best quarterback in the SEC this year? I mean, JT Daniels, is, is he the guy? I mean, I, I think so. He played, what, four games last year? Something like um, that, yeah. And it's really weird. You look at the East, right, and you can argue that Missouri's got the most stable quarterback situation potentially. Uh, I'd say second, given, yeah. Yeah, I mean, given how many games Basilak played last year, but I, I mean, look, JT Daniels looks like a great player, but four games is, is not a lot of sample size either. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's the real deal. You watch him, he's got such good touch on his long and intermediate throws, and they've got guys that can just go get the ball, right? And, and you don't need a guy who's a superstar. You just need a guy who can make those throws, which I think he can, but it is this weird position where you're looking at, at him and calling him, you know, maybe the best quarterback in the league, but he really hasn't played that much. Yeah, um, I, I agree, but but we think they're they're clearly the favorite. We we would both have – I have actually the exact same order of finish you do. Uh, we both have Florida second, and yes, there are questions, but again, you're talking about a team that's got probably – I'm just throwing a number here – 45 four-star kids on the roster. There's talent there. Dan Mullen knows what he's doing. Uh, clearly, I guess the biggest question is – and it's funny because last year at this time, I think a lot of people said, oh, Kyle Trask, not not sure what to think about him replacing Felipe Franks, you know, and, and I think a lot of people that paid attention knew they got better. But now Emory Jones stepping in, I, I don't know. I mean, I know he's a highly rated kid, but uh, Trask had one of the best seasons in college football history last year. Yeah, Trask also benefited from uh, you know Pitts, Pitts yeah. for one, and, yeah. and and you know they had just a tremendous receiving core. I, I wasn't I wasn't as blown away by Trask as some other people were. I wasn't sure about the arm strength, and again, when you've got the talent that other people that, that they had in that system, it it covers for a lot of things. Not that he was bad, but you know Jones is the guy, Gabe, that Dan Mullen has anchored himself to for a while. I mean, he's been on that Florida roster for a long time. Yeah. I think he started recruiting him in ninth grade. You know, he's he's really good running the ball. 
Um, you know, passing is going to be the question. And again, we've not seen them over a long span, but you know, you have to look at coaches who make it work offensively. Dan Mullen, wherever he's been, he's made it work. And again, Florida, you're in and you're out. You know, we, we can close our eyes, not pay attention to football for 10 years, and we can reopen this conversation in 10 years from now. Florida's still going to have a lot of fast guys, right? And they're going to recruit very well. So uh, there tends to be the thought that maybe there's some plug and play here with the next guy. But um, yeah, I mean, Jones is still pretty unproven. He's very skilled, but I'm interested to see how that works. Cause I think to me, they're probably the most intriguing team in the East between how they just could not defend at all last year, which is very unflorida like, and just yeah. the change in offensive personnel. But again, knowing you've got a coach who always makes it work on that side. So here's the question I really have about Florida. You've covered the SEC for a lot longer than I have. Um, did you know that Dan Mullen was as unlikable as all Missouri fans found out he was last year? I had no idea, it, but he's like a heel, man. He's he's tough to like. I, that was his reputation in Mississippi State also. Yeah, I never so, knew that. Yeah. Yeah, you I know, mean the, the Darth Vader costume for Halloween that yeah. was that was kind of fitting. It, that yeah, right after that was the night he basically incited the on-field brawl between Florida and Missouri. I mean, that thing was look, the players deserve some blame, but like Dan Mill, Mullen got that going coming out on the field and giving everybody the WWE heel uh, routine, you know. So Well, they've got him and Todd Grantham on the same staff, so there's that too. Is is Grantham similar? Do you remember when Grantham and James Franklin almost got in a fist fight at the end of – well, I guess this would have been before you would have been in the SEC. But okay. Todd Grantham and James Franklin just about got in a fist fight on the 50 in Nashville about a decade ago. That was that was fun to watch. Who? I mean, who would have won that? I don't know. I think they both got a screw loose. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got you. So I, I really – Grantham's the bigger guy, but yeah. – um, James is a pretty fiery guy, too. Yeah, I've always said my my favorite story to tell and the thing I'm most disappointed, I was at a basketball game Mike Anderson's first year at Arkansas when they were playing here, and, like, Frank Haith was going at him, man. He, if he hadn't gotten caught, he was going at Mike Anderson, and there was going to be a fight, and it was going to be – I'm still incredibly disappointed it didn't happen. I wanted to see it. But, you know. I swear I'm going to cover one of those with Jerry Stackhouse by the time he's done here. Oh, and he's going to win it, like. I, yeah. I can't imagine that there's a coach that Vanderbilt's going to play that goes, yeah, I'm cool taking on stack. I want to go do that. No, I, I think I'd want no part of that. <laughs> All right. So so back to football. Um, you're next here, and I agree with it. You said Kentucky, Missouri. I think throw them in a hat, right? One probably finishes ahead five times. The other probably finishes ahead five times. I went Kentucky third because the game is in week two. It's in Lexington. Mark Stoops has been there a little bit, a lot longer than Eli Drinkwitz. Probably has a little bit more of his what he wants in place. Uh, but every year that Missouri's been in the SEC, the winner of that game has finished ahead of the loser of that game in the SEC standings. Like Missouri's four and five against Kentucky, they finished ahead of Kentucky four times and behind them five times. Uh, it's like the bellwether game for both of those teams for the season, and. It's the first SEC game for both of them, and I, I think that's the one where you start to go, okay, one of these teams is going to be that one that maybe they're not going to catch Georgia and Florida, but at least is going to put themselves in the conversation of, hey, if we get them on the right day, we've got a chance to catch those top two, and the other one's just going to be the team that says, okay, we just got to make sure to beat the other three. 
Yeah, and I arrived at my conclusion the way you did, too. I, I think that you, you probably take the winner of that game, so they're going to finish ahead, Be, being in Lexington. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, has Kentucky not gotten the better of Missouri recently? Uh, they had series? won five in a row until Missouri beat them last year, 20-10. to 10. Yeah. Which is really bizarre because, yeah. you know, it's not like there's been that big a disparity between the programs. But right. Mark Stoops has done a really good job up there. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a tough place to win. They built facilities. They've got an identity. It's not the sexiest of identities, but they're winning games. They're going to Outback Bowls and things like that. I mean, I don't think that's where we ever saw Kentucky going, but right. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the Power Five you know, they're never going to pop up and win the East, but winning at the rate that he's winning consistently to me is really impressive. Yeah. I mean, beat Florida for the first time. in I think it was like 32 years or something a couple of years ago. And I mean, they've got a new quarterback. That seems to be the theme in the, in the sec. Uh, you know, it's uh it's a Penn state transfer. His name slips my mind, but he beats out Joey Gatewood. Joey Gatewood's back in the transfer portal. Um, and that's kind of the position and really Kentucky's the team that you look at every team. You say, Hey, if you can just get the quarterback right, you're in good shape. Well, Kentucky, you look at and go, I don't know, just throw somebody back there at quarterback. It doesn't really seem to matter. That's not how they win. Well, it's funny. I wonder if they haven't really plateaued. I don't know how high you can go as Kentucky football anyway. But they get rid of Terry Wilson, who's in Mexico now. He starts yeah. like 30-something games. He's a guy who runs the ball really well but doesn't throw it. You look at what Levis did at Penn State. I'm like, did they just trade, you know, for another guy right. just who does the same things who's been at another school. So the, the quarterback development piece is the one in, in terms of the passing game that they just can't seem to get right, but they're, they're still winning a lot because they're so tough on the other side of the ball. And they, and they run the ball well, too. They have good offensive linemen. Kentucky's really done a good job of recruiting studs on the line, and that's their identity, and, and it's worked for them so far. Well, we will uh, hit the, the bottom half of uh, our projected standings, which mean absolutely nothing in just a minute. Got to pay a, pay a bill or two first. Uh, speaking of development, when it comes to your financial future, it's important to work with somebody that takes time to understand you and your situation. Edward Jones and Stuart Eastman take a step-by-step -step approach to identify your goals and develop specific strategies to help you achieve them. Contact Stuart today. The number is up there in the corner of your screen, 817-3108. You can can Google search Stuart Eastman, Edward Jones. His page will pop up. There are many, many different ways to find people these days. So uh, hopefully you can manage to do that. And if you uh, if you have a few extra bucks that you haven't spent on a rival subscription, um, you know, call Stuart and he can uh, he can help you do things with that. That will hey maybe you could get two rival subscriptions down the road, right? And uh, and accidentally get billed for both of them every month. And and we appreciate people that do that. Um, so uh, talking with Chris Lee from VandySports.com and, and Southeastern 14. And uh, now we, I, I think almost everybody, except that one rogue media member who is voting an order of finish in the SEC East, has Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vandy as the top three. I think that's probably the order most people would put them in. Tennessee fifth, we'll start there. Um I'm somewhat familiar with Josh Heupel. He's coming back to the SEC as a head coach. Like, Tennessee is going to score points this year. I don't care who the quarterback is. They're going to put up offensive numbers, and they're going to throw the ball for a lot of yards, and they are going to have approximately, you know, 27 seconds between uh, between offensive possessions because that's how quickly they're going. Whether they go three and out or they go 97 yards down the field, their defense is going to give out 27 seconds of rest every time the offense is on the field. 
Yeah, that's an interesting situation because I think they lost – I think they've got the fewest returning starters in the league. They lost 25 guys to the transfer portal. You know, interestingly enough, they brought in a couple of transfer quarterbacks from big schools, so there's that. But they'll play fast. I think that's what people are expecting. But I, I'm just with you. I don't know about the continuity a, across the way. Uh, you know, they don't have a running game like they had a year ago. Those kids hit the transfer portal. Defensively, they were awful. Now, on the line, they got a lot of guys back. But I don't know. I, I think, you know, and we didn't really discuss Missouri a lot, but I just see a pretty good gap between – Missouri and Kentucky and then the next three you might even argue South Carolina is ahead of Tennessee I mean they've got a running game they don't have a quarterback I don't know that I'd go there but both those teams frankly were so awful defensively a year ago um I don't know probably Tennessee's the play because at least the Vols get talent year in and year out Carolina that's kind of an issue but any case, I, I think there's a big drop off from the top four to the rest of the league. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I, I feel like Chris, and you're you're kind of in the middle of it down there in Nashville. I'm, I'm sure you have a few people that like to wear orange or in your general vicinity. I feel like we're making progress because this is this will be my tenth season covering the SEC, and it's the first time I can remember not seeing a bunch of Tennessee fans going, "Well, y'all are underrating us. We're gonna win nine or ten games." Like I think they know that's not going to happen this year. Finally. They're in about a 15-year cycle of underachievement that, frankly, and, and, of course, I've been covering the SEC longer than you have. This was unthinkable Oh yeah. in, in the mid to late 90s when, you know, you could argue they were as good a program as there was. They, 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 they were, without question, a top-10 program in the history of college football at that time. Yeah, right? they, they were. And, and to see them, you know, of course, there's a lot of self-destruction there. They haven't had great leadership in the athletic department. Uh, it's just been a revolving door of stuff. It, the Pruitt hire never seemed to make a lot of sense. Um, you know, when it melts down there in Knoxville, it melts down pretty quickly, and it's pretty spectacular to watch. And it is. That's the cycle they've got to get out of. I, I mean, the truth is we are at a point where, like, I, hey, I grew up with that same Tennessee program you did, right, that culminated in Peyton Manning, T. Martin winning the title and all that, that was in it every year. I mean, you can name off, you know, Dale Carter, Alvin Harper, Charlie Garner, some of the guys that played there was unbelievable. And we are now at a point where Tennessee basically just said, we don't know what to do, man. Let's just try to be UCF. Like they hired UCF's AD and head football coach, you know? I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. So uh, the, other, the other Columbia, I, I think it's fair to say I know less about South Carolina than any team in this division, right? Uh, I mean – Shane Beamer, yeah. first-year head coach. I, I don't know a ton about him. Um, you know, the the quarterback has, has transferred out. And uh, just I, I don't know what to think about the Gamecocks other than I think they're probably at least a couple years away. The weird thing is Shane Beamer's never been a head coach, and that was overwhelmingly who everybody down there wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look back, and I guess you understand why, because you remember the run they had about a decade ago with Clowney and that Spurrier, bunch. Yeah. He was the one as a recruiting coordinator who put together that bunch. Okay, And so I, I think that explains it. Of course, his dad is a, is a Hall of Fame coach, and there's that too. But Spent some time in Oklahoma. Really excited. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I'm with you. that The talent level there – has really dropped. I mean, 10 years ago, that was a top 10 program consistently. They're nowhere near it. You know, they lost their best corner to the NFL. Now, they have an identity in the running game, uh, so they bring that back. But the quarterback battle there is kind of a mess. I don't know if you followed it. They've got they got a kid that they brought off the staff as a grad assistant to compete for oh, the wow. job this week. Awesome. Yeah, when they're when – they're, 
presumed starter got hurt. He's got a foot injury. So okay. I don't know. I mean, they play Eastern Illinois in the opener, so I don't know how uh, dire it is to get him back for that. But I thought that was interesting. When you're pulling a GA off the staff yeah. uh, to compete that, for your quarterback spot, that's probably not a great spot to be. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a Mike Leach move. He, he got his kicker out of the stands at one point at Texas Tech. Uh, but like, it, it's shocking, really, that South Carolina finds itself in this situation because it's almost like there was no way to know you know, eight years ago or whatever it was that, hey, let's hire a guy who didn't get it done at Florida and have him be at a place that gets less talent with less in every possible scenario. He'll probably get it done here. I mean, shocking that Will Muschamp didn't work there to me. I think we picked the wrong business. I mean, <laughs> I, I know you do pretty well for yourself at Power Mizzou. Should have been agents. I mean, between between that and, you know, you see these pro coaches just keep getting recycled for the same mm-hmm. old jobs. I don't know. That that was one you're like, wait, if it didn't work in Florida, I think there's a decent chance it's not going to work in Columbia. But sometimes you just have to go through it and learn for yourself. Well, it was like, uh, you know, five, six years ago, Missouri was looking for a coach. And this was right about the time Les Miles was out at LSU. And there were people all over, oh, Les Miles to Columbia, he'd recruit so well. And I remember talking to a couple people at Missouri, and they were like, he won like eight or nine games a year at LSU. And like, they have more of everything than we have. So why is he going to do better? They they wanted no part of that. And obviously, I, I think that's borne out to be a, a prudent decision. I don't, I don't know if you remember how Les's time at Kansas went, but it doesn't seem to have gone well. Do you think your subscribers would know how that went? Perhaps? Yeah, I think that I think they're familiar. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're they're I thought they might be. They may be the only people outside of Lawrence, Kansas, who are familiar with how Kansas football has gone. But uh, yeah, because nobody else right. is paying attention. All right, so uh, look, Vandy is you know obviously you cover them. You said they are rebuilding at a level that even these other teams aren't rebuilding. I mean, I don't know a ton about Shane Beamer. I don't know that much about Clark Lee either. Like, what kind of a hire is this for Vandy, and what kind of project does he have in front of him? Because, Chris, we watched that team last year, and, I mean, they came here, and that was an undermanned Columbia team or Mizzou team in Columbia that wasn't great. And, I mean, even in that game, like, you knew early Vandy didn't have – there just wasn't enough there. Yeah, that – you saw the day they threw in the towel on the season Mm -hmm. in Columbia that day. Um that there were a million reasons for that. I think we could go over that another podcast, right. which would be right. which would be worthy of a standalone episode. Yeah. But uh, for the that, that gets some people today, we, we'll leave that alone. But yeah, I mean, look, I've seen most Fandy teams are bad by definition. Uh, but last year was pretty close to taking the cake. Yeah. Um. You know, they lost a ton of kids to the transfer portal. I don't know that that was necessarily a bad thing in most cases. You would have liked to have Grant Miller back if you were them. But besides that, look, I covered Clark as a player here back at the first of his career. Really good dude. Um, Tim Corbin, their baseball coach, mm-hmm. was the guy who I think helped to handpick him. They've had a relationship. And frankly, if you're doing any athletics business at Vanderbilt, that's the guy you need to – consult because he's cracked the code better than anybody and so to me his recommendation goes a long way you know we did not get to see them much in the spring not much at all we've gotten really good access in fall and i I go back to where they were at the end of the year if you watch them they were not physical up front uh and then oh by the way they lost their best lineman uh mid-second round to the colts so that hurts 
they were so slow on the back end. They just lost foot races all year. So I don't know that they've got much there to build on. But I'll say this. I watched them in practice. They're disciplined. They're in shape. Uh, they're all over the place defensively. They're going to throw a lot of stuff at people. I don't think they've got a lot, a lot of talent. But I think defensively, they will make it interesting. You remember the Woody Woodenhofer teams? Uh, I don't know if you saw them at Vanderbilt where they would just blitz you nonstop. Mm -hmm. And you just never knew what was coming. The way they have defended in camp reminds me a lot of that. Offensively, they've got a quarterback in Ken Seals who's who's pretty nice. I don't know if they can protect him. Look, the the talent is just not SEC-level talent. But I think in terms of their organization structure and discipline, they've taken some big steps up. So I wouldn't be surprised – if he's got them competitive within a couple of years, but I'd be pretty surprised if this is the year. Yeah, Woody Woodenhofer, there's another name uh, my subscribers are somewhat familiar with, not necessarily in a very positive way. <laughs> um, good guy, not a great head coach here at Missouri. The, he, the guy could coach defense, but yeah. beyond that, it was uh was Yeah, he, he ushered in some some dark days here in Columbia. Well, and, you know, like I understand it lasted, he wasn't, necessarily terrible he probably beat Missouri a couple times which saved his job a couple times but when you're Derek Mason like they always say you don't want to be the guy that follows the guy right and whether James Franklin I don't know if James Franklin is the best coach in the history of Vanderbilt but James Franklin did things at Vanderbilt that haven't been done in a pretty long time and to follow that to take that job when all of a sudden the standard is we need to win eight games a year that's a tough spot to be in well and to make it worse Derek ran his mouth a lot about how they were yeah. going to build on that and win the yeah. East. And uh, that, that didn't quite come to fruition uh, in case you didn't notice, but yeah, that, that was just, he just never was never organized enough. Um, I don't think he worked hard enough on the recruiting trail. And, and those are two things that'll just get you killed. Yep. Yeah. Well, Chris, I appreciate it, man. Uh, we managed to uh, get our way through seven teams and sounded like we kind of at least knew something about most of them. So I, I consider that a victory for today. So, Let's wrap up with this. Uh, if Georgia doesn't win this, like, can anybody except Georgia or Florida win this division? You see, anyway. You know, you, you might be covering the team that could, and and you get to see them in camp. Defense is where I have a question, but I thought yeah. offensively they made a lot last year with what they had. It wasn't the most talented bunch, but they were fun to watch. He's recruited really well. I mean, I, I think that it's a little early for Missouri, but yeah. Kentucky just I don't think is going to be able to throw the ball. And, and again, you know, we might think Kentucky's a shade better, but I think if you're talking about a team that could jump up and surprise people, I mean, you've seen Missouri do it before. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming back, you know, seven or eight years ago or however long that's been now. Mm-hmm. I think the way they're coached with their schemes – uh, I know they added some guys on the defensive side of the ball, uh, a transfer linebacker from Rice. I think they got a Juco kid in the secondary. I'm not there to see how it's going, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure defense is mandatory anyway these days. Right. And the way they scored points a year ago uh, and against a tough schedule, uh, I, I would think if there's a team not named Georgia or Florida, the mean Missouri is the, the best uh, chance to crash the party. I would say if anybody can do it, whether that's Kentucky or Missouri, the only way it happens is – through like a three-way tie at five and three that you win, right? I mean, Georgia and Florida are the only teams that are going to run through this thing eight and zero or seven and one. Maybe if you're Missouri or Kentucky and you sweep, you know, almost everything else, manage to beat one of Georgia or Florida, and then you find yourself winning a tiebreaker. But I'd say taking Georgia and Florida against the field is. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you'd have to have to give pretty bad odds to uh, to take that bet. 
So, well, you look at the other side of of the schedule with Georgia in the in the West, and they don't play Alabama, they don't play LSU. So that's mm-hmm. that's a good start right there. I just think it's going to be hard for anybody to catch Georgia given the talent in the schedule. Yep. Agreed, man. Well, Chris, appreciate it. Once again, uh, everybody check out, obviously, Chris's coverage of Andy, but also Southeastern 14 if you're looking for some more conference-wide stuff. So uh, appreciate the time, bud, and we'll be uh, talking to you plenty here. Uh, season's, what, 16 days away? It's always fun. Thanks, Gabe. All right. Chris Lee and uh, want to also thank Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones for uh, sponsoring today's show. They'll do it every Thursday. We won't do it at the same time every Thursday, but we're every Thursday through the season. Uh, we'll be previewing the SEC West next week, and then we'll be hitting Missouri opponents starting two weeks from today. So thanks for watching, and we'll uh, catch you next week right here.